Welcome back, everyone, to the Property Journey podcast, episode eight, Roy. We're getting through them. Getting through them. Um, as you can tell, if you're watching on video, we've got ourselves some nice new equipment. Um, fingers crossed that we'll be uh, able to get our guests in now. Yep. I'm spending the money on you, Roy. Um, but all for the better. Um, today's episode is going to be about fixer uppers. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of detailing the pros and cons of buying a fixer upper in comparison to your sort of move in ready um, you build property. So, what exactly is a, a fixer upper and how would it differ from um, you know, a, a move in property as such? Starting off with a move-in property is, as you said, it's, it's ready to move in straight away and you generally find first-time buyers and home movers would go and tend to go towards that simply due to convenience of it. Fixer-uppers, you would tend to find more so that investors would buy those because a fixer-upper could be anything that, that needs a complete rip-out job. It might only have a shell, might not even have a roof, or it could simply be a matter of it needs a new kitchen or needs new carpet or needs a lick of paint, very basics. Anything that then that you're 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 fixing up, you're adding value to the property is what, what the term fixer upper comes from. And I suppose my next question would have been why do some homeowners um consider purchasing a, a fi- fixer upper? Um you know, is there what are the potential maybe advantages of of buying a fixer upper? Well for a home mover Sometimes they have a, a strategy or a plan that they'll buy a property that is maybe a wee bit dated or they want to add value to it and they'll go in and they'll, they'll make those changes, they'll make that investment. They can do that over a period of time, it could be a few months, it could be a couple of years, even by adding an extension onto it. Uh, sometimes we find by spending money, a lot of people overlook the garden and the outside, maybe a nice area to sit out in. By doing that, adds value to it. And for a home mover, they could then sell, buy a better house, move on. And some people continue to do that, to you know, trade up effectively, which allows them to get a better and better house. Or alternatively, some people do that to cash in on the profit that they're making each time. And that the ultimate goal might be that then they're, they're mortgage free. Because I've listed um, a number of you know pros and cons here, which hopefully we'll, we'll be able to discuss now in this episode. And... You know, there's varied opinions about what people should be going for. Do you buy, a, as you say, a move-in property where it's the convenience of there's already a new kitchen, um, there's, you know, the bathrooms are all done, there's new floors, uh, you know, paints mm-hmm. already on the walls, every, everything sorted for you to move in. Or do you take the plunge of, you know, moving into a fixer-upper knowing that the kitchen needs to be ripped out, Everything needs to be done. There could be plaster needs done on walls. As you say, the outside might mm-hmm. need a lot of a lot of work. Um, and there's no probably right or wrong reason. Hence why I want to go through some of the pros and cons today. Um, so one of the pros that is listed is the cost savings um, in terms of a fixer upper compared to a, a move in property. Well, cost-wise, initial costing is going to be a lot less mm-hmm. because you're buying a property that is a lower lower value. So initially, you're able to buy a cheaper house and you're able to get moved in straight away. And then in theory, then if you're able to organize your own trades guys and make your own changes to to the, the property, there's a savings there as well. But that comes with its, with its caveat because 
you know, it can't be overestimated or underestimated. You know, you simply have to know what you're spending the money yeah. on. You just don't go out and say, right, I'm going to buy a kitchen. You know, you have to what's what's the style of the kitchen, what's the quality of the kitchen, who's making the kitchen. You know, that all has a big impact. A kitchen could be anything from, you know, you could go to one kitchen company, they'll give you a price for a thousand pounds, and another one give you a price for for ten thousand pounds. That's the complete extremes, and just by spending ten thousand pounds on a kitchen doesn't necessarily mean you're going to add value to the property of at least ten thousand pounds. Yeah, yeah, um, and because and you did say there as well, organizing your your trades people as such, um, like very easily you can try and do the work yourself if you're capable of doing it you know can also then cut costs in terms of if you're doing any renovations if you're able to do it yourself um but and then obviously you've kind of mentioned there and it falls probably under that building equity within the property mm-hmm. you know if you're spending ten thousand pounds on a new kitchen is the property value going to increase ten thousand absolutely not this is a big mistake where a lot of people make this simply think if, if they're a novice they simply they simply come in and and paint the house put in nice carpets they make it look as really nice as what they would love to live there they spend x amount of pounds and they think that they can simply put it back on the market again add that to it and add a wee bit for, for good measure it doesn't work it doesn't work like that there's a phenomenal skill set to it as to getting a fine line between have you got the property purchased initially at the right price the works that you're doing to it are they you know to a good standard good quality are they adding value to it and ultimately will the house then sell yeah at that higher price you know is there a demand for it you know there's no point expecting this price for it when and it might look good but the one next door is looking the exact same if not better and it's, it's slightly lower priced it's I suppose uh, and as well it's as simple as you know i go out and build myself a million pound house but if there's no one out there that can buy the house for a million pound yeah you know you're sitting with it as such um the customization and personalization is is obviously a big one as well for a fixer upper because mm-hmm. when you're moving into a new build house um it's it's sold as seen mm-hmm. you know and you're not going to go in really in terms of you know putting new features in as such um you can go in and furnish it the way that you want to furnish it but in terms of that personalization you know if you want a certain style of kitchen or you want a certain style of your rooms laid out or whatever it happens to be you know that's kind of already set there a fixer upper i suppose it comes with the opportunity to design maybe certain spaces mm-hmm. it's down to you know a person's personal qualities as such because you know, I know I, I struggle, for instance, if you walk into a completely empty room, you know, it can be very difficult to visualize, well, what would that be like if it had, you know, blue, blue, blue chairs in it and a big brown table, whereas other people could walk in and immediately just visualize what's, what's going where, and that makes a big, big difference. If you don't have that visualization, then you, you will struggle in a, in a fixer-upper. Yeah. Um, and that's what I mean, the, the creative possibilities with a, with a fixer-upper um you can obviously make it reflect that personal style that you want in terms of you know i want to knock on maybe the wall between the living room and the kitchen and Mm -hmm. open planet you know you've kind of got that space to be able to to do that obviously if it's within your budget again yes you know having that visualization to do that second of all 
knowing that before you buy the house is that something that you're going to do yeah and ultimately is it possible to do there's no point thinking to yourself yes i'll knock that wall out and knock that wall out and then whenever it comes to getting the builder in and it's a whole big nightmare and you'll have to you know put in steel beams and change the whole layout and, and it could be very very costly yeah yeah and like well that's i mean you i suppose you've probably got to balance it up of what exactly you want you know are you going to buy a fixer upper where it's maybe going to be cost price on the market cheaper you know mm-hmm. how much are you going to spend on it is it going to be worthwhile you spending on it um you know but if you want that freedom and i suppose that opportunity to do it mm-hmm. you know it makes sense um so the investment potential in terms of a fixer upper um like do you know anyone that maybe has invested in or bought a fixer upper where you've kind of seen the the transformation as such i work with a number of investors and i actually help them source out some of these properties to do this and you can if it's done right you can add big big value to the property and then it all depends on what is your goal you know is it something whereby you want to go in buy the house fix it up and immediately sell it again some people are just simply go in fix it up, hold on to the property and rent it out for many, many years, knowing rightly that they've got the equity there. Then to split that down into another strategy as well is how are you financing it? Mm -hmm. Because the first way there is you can go in, buy the house straight cash and do the work, you pay for it all yourself and you've got a ball of equity and savings there or other people simply do it with borrowed money, which means you take a either private finance or you could mortgage a property go in do the work to the property and then that increases the value of it and at that point you can actually remortgage it which means you change and you're able to borrow more money and that means you're able to borrow more and pull out some of the equity in the property so it all depends on what what your your strategy is and do you know anyone maybe even from a and i suppose whenever i've said investment potential um i should have clarified that question as well um in terms of Say for example, a first-time buyer mm-hmm. that's bought a fixer-upper, where you know this is this is my home. This is what I hope to achieve. Is you know I'm going to make into my home as such. I would rarely come across it. There are a few people out there. It's not overly common with first-time buyers. Generally, first-time buyers, you know, they're trying to get a deposit together, so they wouldn't really have the liquidity funds to actually do all that work to it. Yeah. So it's very common for investors. And then it's relatively common for somebody who wants to move family home to family home and just progress that way. Yeah, yeah. And that, because that, that's sometimes a lot of people would would assume that a fixer upper is kind of, you know, an investor, as you say, goes in, does it all up, basically makes it into a property for someone to move into, mm-hmm. you know, and away they go again or they rent it out. Um, but I was wondering if there was, you know, is there first time buyers out there that kind of go, I want the challenge, I want to be able to maybe put my stamp on this because the property is maybe slightly cheaper occasionally as i say we do come across it um, but it's generally when i want to think about it sometimes they're buying it because they know it's a cheaper house mm-hmm. and then what they'll do is yes it'll suit them they can go in and do things very cost effectively like paint the house but the likes of the bigger things like changing the kitchen changing the bathroom they know that's a bigger expense yeah. and at least it gives them maybe some time to start to save the money to be able to to be able to do that yeah yeah and that's the thing you know if you're in the house and you're happy enough with the condition that it's in and it's livable then over time you can begin to 
fix it up. Yeah. You know, it's not a six month turnaround, like, you know, it, it's six years or 16 years. Um, uh, on to sort of the cons then, and we've touched on it there in terms of the financial considerations as a, as a pro in terms of, you know, they're normally cheaper um, because of the work that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, like there is obviously then cons in terms of budgeting mm-hmm. and the unforeseen costs that can sometimes crop out of nowhere. Yeah. The, the first thing just to jump straight in there, the best tip is don't think that this is easy. You know, there's a lot of people maybe watch particular program on TV where they just make it look very, very simple, they buy a house at an auction, they go in, they change a few things and, and then they get valuers around and coincidentally they're all making making a fortune at it. Homes under the hammer. <laughs> it's not it's not as simple as that. You know, like anything, you know, you don't just go out and start a new hobby and get jump straight into it. You get a mentor, you get somebody to teach you, somebody who has had years of experience generally somebody who's probably spent a clean fortune learning the hard way and and learning the pitfalls. It's the same in this industry. Find somebody who has done it previously. There's different groups that you can go to where you can bounce ideas off, but it is highly risky just to simply randomly go out, pick a cheap house, think you can fix it up and sell it for a profit. Yeah, uh, because uh, like you do here, and I think we've discussed it, and and the property investments, episode that we did of the podcast um in terms of the horror stories that you can hear where you go out you've spent money on a property and before you know it there's you know retaining walls or something needs to be you know completely fixed or something or they're falling to bits or or whatever it happens to be um and like this probably filters in again you know how quickly can the expenses begin to mount up in a property when things begin to go wrong as such? Very, very quickly. Uh, There's also a risk as well as how are you financing it? So if you're financing it yourself with your your own savings, if you're fortunate enough to do that, well, at least, you know, it's not so bad. It's your money that you're tied up into it. But a lot of people would maybe take private finance out so they'd borrow from a private lender. You know, that means you're, you know, it's a big risk because you're using somebody else's money. Likewise, if you're borrowing money off the bank and you've borrowed the money and then you end up starting to make changes to the house, which could impact the value of the house during that stage of the works, you could be in breach of your, your mortgage and then your mortgage lender is then going to be coming at you as well. Because, I, and that's the thing, like, you know, you may have a budget set and you've got a figure in your head and very easily you can begin to stray outside of that because the paint that you were expecting to buy actually was maybe, you know, and this is me being real basic, like, you know, about 40 or 50 quid there, but you didn't realize that you needed, you know, 20 liters of it rather than 10 liters and it's mounted up and then maybe something else has cropped up or the doors needed to be replaced and that's now an added cost. And Unfortunately, normally the costs are, are, are a lot a lot bigger and, and need a lot more specialist repairs. You know, examples could be maybe, you know, the foundation sinking, there could be uh, rising damp coming up in, there could be damp coming from outside, inside. Uh, the whole roof might need stripped and, and, and replaced. You're normally talking, you know, things like that, that if you've missed them initially, could cost tens of thousands. And on top of that, if you don't have your, your, your network of, of trades yeah. guys working with you, you know, in a scenario of you're doing this on a daily, on a, you know, on a very regular basis, you're going to have a joiner who's going to be able to look at this and, and predict it very quickly, 
will be able to do it for you quickly and it's going to be cost effective whereas if you're completely new to the game and you're just phoning around random companies you know you could see a big big difference in the in the costs yeah quoted um the and i suppose then at, at you know when you've got money involved the other big thing then is that your your time and effort mm-hmm. um you know and again if depending on what your what your ambitions and or what you're aiming to do like what level of commitment are we talking here because as you say if you're residential and you've moved into a house and and you're hoping to fix it up over time mm-hmm. you know there is going to be a lot of time and effort spent trying to improve your home mm-hmm. um but also if you're looking for a quick turnaround you know you've got to be committed to, to getting the job done as such so it, it really depends on you know what time and effort you're going to put into it you know there's no such thing as as quick and easy money you know some people do think that and some people think that you can make quick money in property anybody who does make quick money in property they have a great skill they've spent years probably researching it learning it have probably lost a clean fortune first of all to, to learn and quite rightly so if they're making money they deserve to make that money but for anybody else you know a lot of time is being has to be put into it and the more time you put into it the better the reward but also you have to weigh up the fact of and, and i've come across it before people buying a fixer upper and yes they may be doing things themselves by you know lifting the carpets and stripping the wallpaper and doing all of that and they're spending every evening and every weekend yeah. doing it and all they're doing is basically giving themselves an hourly rate for doing that which it could be something depending on, on their income it could probably make more sense to you know if they're earning in their own job you know 30 pounds an hour it would actually be more beneficial for them instead of spending every evening you know fixing up a house they've been better in their job making 30 pounds an hour and paying somebody you know less than 30 pounds an hour to to fix up the house so you have to be very uh, technical and and specific on your your calculations yeah and that's the thing because you know the impact of that then as you say going in every evening doing that or whatever you know leaving yourself essentially run down by the end of it yeah you know was it really worth it in terms of the time and just to to make another wage effectively Yeah, yeah yeah um and I suppose that comes into the next uh, question is obviously under time and effort is, you know, the stress factors mm-hmm. um, that come with managing that sort of renovation side of things. Again, if, if you're not used to it, you know, trying to pull together all those trades guys, getting them to arrive on time and knowing, you need to know what, what's that trades guy going to do, how long is he going to take so that it's not going to hold up. The next guy you know it's really a good project manager and if you're not able to pull that together your costs again could very quickly run away on you because if you're getting private finance private finance can be very very expensive so the longer a project takes to complete then the more money it's costing you and that's just simply eating into your your profit generally for these types of properties the way to make money is get in get the work done quickly and get get out again yeah yeah um and again, like you know, these are all things that that we're sort of already touching on already. Is is that sort of skill and knowledge side of things, you know, which is a, you know, we've put that under a con because, you know, if you don't have them, and you're looking to tackle this side, you know, this sort of type of project as such, you know, it's not easy to kind of train yourself in 
if you're looking to do it yourself, this is, you know, train yourself in a better joinery or whatever. You know, this is why people go to tech and school and yeah, stuff. They study it's, that. It's different if you are, you know, naturally a, a DIY type of person and you're 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 gifted and you're able to put your hand to to a lot of things. I know quite a few people who could. You know, it's not their full time job, but they could easily do a bit of you know, put a skirting down. They could put a carpet or put a wooden floor down. They could do a wee bit of painting, basic electrics, and if you're gifted like that, well then that's all right. Yes, it might be a bit of a hobby, but otherwise, no. Get the right sort of people in because there's nothing as bad as one thing I come across is everybody thinks they're a painter. Mm-hmm. Everybody thinks they're a painter and a decorator, and they think it's very very easy and quite simply go in and see their work afterwards and i can guarantee you it's not it's not perfect you know there's a complete skill to it and there's nothing as bad as walking into a room and there's paint on the ceiling and paint over the light switch and the latch on the door and to the person doing it they think that's normal but to anybody else coming in it's just it's just an eyesore and in fact by doing that yourself you think you're saving money but effectively you've actually devalued the property because the buyers coming in thinking to themselves oh no, if they've taken shortcuts here, let's take a look more, you know, particularly at everywhere else in the house to see where else have they taken shortcuts. It could put off a buyer and then ultimately they're thinking to themselves, well, it's going to cost me a grand or a couple of grand to get a painter in to fix the mess. Yeah, and that's even a, nearly like a something for a buyer to look out for if they know that they're going in to buy this property as such, you know, things to pick up on, sort of... I suppose if it's a fixer-upper that they're buying, they need to go in and sort of spot these things as such as well, just in case. Has it been done right? Has it not done right? Am I going to run into problems six months down the line? And I'll give you a, you know, a real-life example of that. I was sourcing out a property for a client in Port Rush, and This was back in the summertime. Went around a few properties. There was one ticking all the boxes in the right area, generally the right sort of price, size, everything about it. Went in, took a look around, and immediately... And I saw the paintwork, and that drew my eye then to you know a bit of wiring, because then the, the they were running wires just along the skirting boards and in and around, which probably may not have noticed it as, yeah. as prominently, and then got talking. It was a, the the vendor was showing me around, and I just got talking to the vendor, and basically yes, the vendor was telling me that they did a lot of the work themselves, and then again starting to look in more detail of the property, you could see there just was no maintenance done to the property and immediately walked away from it yeah yeah and you know some people would be happy enough because they could be going in there looking at that and going you know what i'll just fix that up when i'm in Mm. you know but for other people again if they know that they're buying a property that's been fixed up and again the price has now increased on it per se because the work's been done you you want that work to be right yeah um i do say myself that i am more of a destruction rather than construction um you're not a good painter i wouldn't say well you know i can paint outside and stuff but you know if you ask me to rip tiles off a wall or yes put them off you know rip, the fun bit. i rip them up from the floor or whatever you know i'll yeah. soon put the hours in there but if you told me to lay the floor yes you know, different, different story yeah. different story um the last sort of con then is is the the sort of the hidden issues the surprises that kind of crop up you know like what common problems or challenges can you see happening when you're you're doing those fixer uppers? Is it the unforeseen kind of you know you didn't see it when you went to buy the property basically? 
comes down to experience and knowledge. So if you are aware of an area, like I could, for instance, pick two two row, two streets in, in a local town, and I know the experience of those types of houses. There's one of them I know that there's issues with foundations, mm-hmm. and there's another one I know there's issues with damp in them. And that's just by over years of experience and coming across it. So that means then if I'm looking at an investment property in that row of houses, I'm immediately putting that in as my contingency fund as to this may need done or this may need to be yeah. to be looked at. Whereas otherwise, if you've if you're buying a house in an area that you've got no knowledge of whatsoever, or you know, you don't know, you could easily get caught. But that brings me back to you always need to budget in something for a contingency. Just don't simply go in and say, right, it needs a new kitchen, it needs a new bathroom, that's X amount of pounds. You know, it could be something that you come across an electrical issue, a structure issue. It might be something at that point then where you didn't realise there could be a bit of woodworm in the in the roof space, which is another maybe hopefully only a few hundred pound a treat as opposed to a re roofing job. Yeah. So contingency, making sure you have a contingency and have an experience and knowledge. And I suppose even just picking up on that point, does that uh, lay into the you know get an independent survey done? You know, having someone come into the house to survey it. You know as nearly like a second opinion if you don't have the experience if you don't have experience yes a survey is is very uh, beneficial it's recommended in every every purchase anyway um once you get to a, a skill set you know whereby you know, like, like i work with a guy uh, hugely successful a buddy of mine in dublin who does this regularly he could literally walk in and he knows just clicking his fingers what what needs to be spent without needing a survey you know, he's just been doing it for so long. He spent so much money on it. He's trained himself on it. Um, he's good trades guys that look after him. He has his team, and he immediately can go in and, and spot everything and know what it's going to cost. That's the at the top end. That's the extreme. But at the bottom end, if you've got no experience, no skills, then yes, definitely get a survey done. Yeah, um, I suppose that's kind of you know the pros and cons as such. Most of them covered anyway. Um, the conclusion would. You know what key factors should you kind of weigh up is it more what your expectations is is it more kind of where you're you know what sort of properties you want whether you want the hassle i would say yes that brings me on i would say it's down to what's the goal first of all what is it that you're trying to achieve is it something that you want to buy a house to move into to add value to just feel comfortable that you have a lot of equity or profit in the house or maybe that you want to cash it in or is it something whereby you want this as, a, as an investment and you want to make you know added wealth that way? So it's the first thing is what is the goal? And second, most important thing would be your personality. A lot of people don't realize it. You know, it might look easy, you might think it's easy, but it's all about how will you be able to cope in this scenario? You know, you're dealing with large amounts of money, whether it's your own money or whether it's been borrowed comes with an immense amount of stress because mm-hmm. of if it doesn't go to plan, how can you handle it? Um, are you a problem solver? Are you a problem finder? Unfortunately, in this industry, if you're a problem finder, you probably won't make a lot of money. You need to be a problem solver so that you can identify the problem and fix it yeah, instantly. Yeah. And you know, again, personality as in, are you a visual person? Can you visualize it? And finally, can you predict? the market you know 
are your tastes going to be similar to everybody else? There's no point coming in, somebody thinking, yes, I'll add value in their specific tastes or maybe paint the whole room black and have black black chairs and everything. Yeah. But that's not going to nest technically play out to your, your common market who's going to want to buy the house and you want them to buy it quickly. So it's a matter of personality slash tastes. I know because uh, for, for me, I, I know I'm not a very visual person, person either. Like someone will say to me, oh, what, what do you think of that? Or do you think this would go, you know, with the, the sofa or whatever it happens to be? And I'm kind of going, yeah, you know, <laughs> it, it probably would. Like, it looks all right. It, it looks all right. <laughs> I would do, you know, in my perspective. But as you say, if you're walking into a house and you're, you're looking at, you know, six different rooms that need to be, you know, renovated or redone or whatever it happens to be, if you can't visualize that, that's going to be a very difficult task. You mm-hmm. need, you need someone to visualize it, and if you're the type of person that will go right, so it needs painted, I'll go and paint. Yeah, you know what color is it that you want me to paint? I'll go and do that, and the other person's basically doing the visualization. Um, probably one of the ones that you maybe didn't touch on that I I maybe think would be relevant is is your management mm-hmm. skills in terms of, you know can you manage a project like this can you manage maybe eight different trades people that are coming in as well as can you manage the stress and can you manage everything that comes along with with the full project as such it comes down to a lot of people in in the in this in in the industry have a network they have it's known as a power team as some people refer to it as which means you have your your electrician your joiner your 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 plumber your mortgage broker, your solicitor, everybody coming together so that you know, you're know you easily controlling them. And if you don't have that power team as such and you're using trades guys for the first time or different, you know, you're know, you using a joiner every single time or a new joiner every single time who hasn't worked with the electrician or hasn't worked with the painter and all the rest of it, you know, it makes things very difficult. And for the project manager, you have a lot more stress. Whereas yeah. if everybody's working as a team, you're on the same sheet and it could be the case of maybe you know the electrician knows who the joiner is if there's a problem and they're phoning directly to them as opposed to you as the project manager so it's all about the, who you're who you're who you're managing not to mention the fact that if you're ready as you mentioned before if you're in a full-time job and you're doing this in the evenings and yeah. or you know you have people at the at the property while you're in work yeah and you're trying to manage them and also manage your job it becomes very very uh messy i suppose yeah. you could say you know like if you if you, if you, if you for instance <clears throat> using a plaster and you get a phone call and you're in the middle of the work and the plaster says here i've just landed on on site here you know where, where's the cement yeah oh was i meant to get the cement was i to get was i to get the sand for you and then it's a whole juggling exercise and the stress of it so it's all about planning and getting the team and that's the thing like for me it's interesting to find out that there, there wouldn't be as many i suppose first-time buyers as such buying fixer-uppers nope. you know it, it is mainly more for um you know a, an investment side of things um that's that's something i thought it would have been quite common for first-time buyers to go in kind of go right this is my project house i'm gonna over the years do it up and whether it's one room at a time or whenever i get the finance sort of sorted that that side of things but um it's it's an interesting, I suppose, opportunity for some people. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you say, whether it suits their choice or not, that that's up to their personal ambitions and what their goals and stuff are. So, I think that'll do us today, Roy, for uh, the podcast. That's the pros and cons of fixer uppers, and uh, we will be back 
very soon again with the, the next episode. So thank you very much. Thank you, Chris.